It's Talking Baseball Australia. It's baseball updates you'll really love. The MLB and ABL news you want with Paul Morgan and Dan Vaughn. It's baseball's best mate all year round. From the batter's box to the mound. It is baseball's best mate all year long talking at Baseball Australia. We're back off dry dock. It's exciting times. Of course, you would have heard of the intro. My name is Paul Morgan, also Dan Vaughan. Guy Belair in the Sporting Star studio today. They say, Guy, you're back in Australia, which is exciting for you. G'day, mate. It's always glad to be back here. And uh, talking baseball, of course, couldn't be complete without the great man Dan Vaughan live from, hey, where are you? Are you Grand Prairie, Texas, or are you uh, back in Kansas City? No, we're we're actually in, uh, I'm actually at home in Dallas, oh, in my yeah. office, but uh, we're, we're in Grand Prairie. Grand Prairie is between uh, Dallas and Fort Worth. We're down here playing uh, the Air Hogs. And uh, yeah, we uh, had a 16 to 1 ball game last night, winning 16 to 1. Nice. So uh, a lot of fun. So a little late with the uh, game story and all that, but nothing like getting up early and talking some more baseball. Thursday over here. Yeah, Thursday over here. Thursday night here. Of course, this will be out on a Friday morning here. Big show for us. We're back off dry dock, of course. It's been a while for us here at Talking Baseball Australia, but we're excited to bring you national coverage of Australia this year. So we're sort of kind of branching out. We've traditionally been Perth Heat, of course. We'll still be involved in the Perth Heat broadcast, but now we'll certainly be expanding our horizons to cover all things baseball in Australia, ABL alumni, and also Australians doing great things in baseball. So off the top of the show, we're going to talk about Jake Fraley and Mike Brousseau, of course, a couple of ex-heaters who are now in the Seattle Mariners and Tampa Bay Big Leagues as well. Talk about the Adelaide Bot turning into the Adelaide Giants. We'll also cover MLB and the Venezuela situation. Scotty Mitchinson, Mr. Reliable, as we We've called him. He's headed across to the Aces. Liam Hendricks, if you missed the news, which is a few weeks old now, of course, he was in the part of the All-Star game. We'll see what that's going to do for Australian baseball. Also have a look at Players Weekend and where that sits with MLB and how that the ABL could learn some lessons from there. Of course, Dan's part of the the Kansas City T-Bones and the American Association. He sees a lot of ABL alumni along the way. We'll have a chat to that, and, of course, we'll see what's happening in the world of MLB. So it's time to get to it right here on Talking Baseball Australia. Summertime here in Perth, Western Australia, as we look in the Sporting Star studio, we look out at pouring rain. It was beautiful yesterday, the hottest day of winter ever in the history of WA, but today it's pouring with rain. But straight off the top, we're going to talk about Mike Brousseau first, and then also Jake Fraley, of course. If you missed the ABL a couple of years ago, Mike Brousseau and Jake Fraley both came across as Tampa Bay Rays. Mike Brousseau, one of the better imports we've seen for a long time. He did something pretty magical in about his fourth game, which was a walk-off double sound a little like this. To the count, two on, two outs. So 
So down there was Mike Brasso. Eric Sogard came home to score. He had that big hit, the big double that uh, won the game for the Tampa Bay Rays. Of course, you know Mike pretty well. We covered Mike when he was here uh, as part of the Perth Heat. I mean, it's, it's just we always knew he'd make the step to the big leagues, but it's, it's pretty exciting to see him up there now. Yeah, it is. You know, we talked about back that season he was there would be two years now. We, we both looked at each other. I know Simon did too. Simon Ice. We looked at each other and go, who's going to make the big leagues first, Jake Fraley or Mike Rousseau? I think conventional wisdom was Fraley was still the bases and doing all the things he was doing, with, you know, breaking the league record and still on bases. But, but, but here's Rousseau, a hitting machine, just like a, like a, just like a robot. You know, we're just out there, boom, 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 line drive, line drive, home run, line drive. And we both, I remember having a conversation with you about who's going to make it first. And I think you would have, you probably got even money on those two guys. Yeah. Rousseau made it first. But uh, what makes his story so unique is he's not a guy that, when the prospect list came out four or five years ago, he wasn't on that list. He wasn't a guy, everybody said, oh my gosh, what a, what a, what a steal they got in the draft. He was, a, he was basically an undrafted free agent guy. I mean, it's a kid that was not even thought of as a prospect. Just, hey, Let's take a fly on this kid. Let's spring, uh, it's to the spring. See what he can do for us. And he's gone from being a, a guy on the outside to a guy in the big leagues who has staying power. I mean, he's been in the big leagues now the better part of the season since July. And again, you don't you don't see a lot of those guys. Usually, the free agent types, minor league free agents, are international. It's very rare a guy gets goes undrafted and finds himself in the big leagues and, and doing what he's doing. But it's it's a great story. He's a great kid. I've got a chance to meet his, his family. They're from up around Chicago area, Indiana suburbs. Uh, they, whenever I make the trip to Gary, they usually stop by and say hi. And it just, it's a great story. Just I love the kid. And I know you got to know him. Just, uh, I mean, you can't, you can't beat that guy. I mean, and, and what he's doing in the big leagues, that pitch recognition. I mean, it, I, how, and the funny thing about it is, I was had this conversation with Josh Schwab, who's the, the commissioner of the American Association. He told me on my broadcast a couple weeks ago, I have in the air, scouts sometimes miss. They Scouts miss more than they hit. And they totally missed on Brousseau. Oh, you're right. You're spot on. And uh, Giza will bring you in. Guy Belair will bring you in as well. You, of course, spent some time working with the Tampa Bay Rays. You look at Brousseau's stats, 124 at-bats, 35 hits, 6 home runs, 16 RBIs, 282 average, OPS of 804. I mean, for, for anyone, that's pretty good. But for a rookie that, as Dan said, was undrafted, I mean, these numbers are on a now a decent sample size. This kid can play. Oh, no doubt that he can play. And, you know, obviously getting an opportunity now that Evan Longoria is no longer with the Rays. So that one's always kind of going to be a hard comparison because you're kind of replacing a legend there that was that was there for the better part of 10 years. And, and the best way to do that one is to put up stats and, and make that name for yourself and, and make the most of any opportunity that's given to you. Spot on. And uh, Mike Rousseau, of course, was uh, such a good bloke. And Dan, I remember when we were in Adelaide and Mike Rousseau, of course, got that, can't recall the pitcher's name, but the pitcher broke his hand. And, and you, your first, your first uh, words afterwards was, that kid is the ABL MVP because he has just won the championship for the Brisbane Bandits based on Mike Rousseau no longer able to play in the ABL. Yeah, yeah that year, of all the years, in the last, what do you say, since Brisbane run, and I granted Brisbane fans would probably think I'm crazy for saying this, but that, that year, that Perth team was the better club. I mean, there was no doubt there was a better club. And it was clearly evident it was Perth and everybody else. Even Brisbane was good. 
but they were skilled down a bit. And that was probably the weakest of the bandit teams that have made those runs. And I, there was no doubt. I can't remember the kid's name either off the top of my head, but he clipped him, broke his hand, and that was all she wrote. I mean, you also, also, you don't remember, you also lost Fraley a little bit later on as well. And you know, he came home early with the, with the family situation. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't find that kid's name because we should ward that kid a Claxton shield ring. <laughs> should indeed. We'll have to get on to uh, the Brisbane Bandits to do that. So the other guy, of course, we talked about just before, Jake Fraley, who was a teammate of Mike Brasseau at Tampa Bay. They got traded to the Mariners. And something that was actually really cool was his debut was against the Rays. So Fraley and Brasseau got to play together. Actually, it was in the Sunday Times here uh, last weekend, last Sunday, the photo of Brasseau and Fraley. Have a listen to some audio from Jake Fraley from the Seattle Mariners media department. This is Jake Fraley on getting his call up. I was in leggings and uh, I had no shirt on and I had a towel because I was getting ready to start my routine for the day and I was get, I was getting ready to go in the hot tub. And uh, Roy, our hitting coach, asked me to come because he wanted to talk to me. So I didn't think anything of it because usually, you know, if it's something serious, it's usually the manager. So usually Brownie would say, hey, I want to talk to you in my office. So I think he probably just wants to talk about a bat. So I'm not going to change. I'll just go in there and we'll have a quick conversation. I'll go on with my routine. And uh, so... Uh, we uh, walked in and he took us right into Brownie's office. I was like, oh, this is kind of weird. I guess Brownie wants to talk about the at-bats too. And then he had the lineup card in front of him and he had his face down and he wasn't looking at me and he was like, I'm going to have to scratch you from the lineup, son. And I'm like, what? it kind of clicked a little bit. I was like, wait, are you serious? And he looked up at me with a smirk and was like, yeah, you got somewhere else to be. And then I had the waterworks going and obviously hit in that, you know, this was actually happening. That was Jake Fraley, courtesy, that audio courtesy of the Seattle Mariners. And, uh, you know, for both of you, Guy and also Dan as well, I mean, you, you remember Jake Fraley. He had his little kiddo come out with him and his wife uh, out out to Perth. And uh, we knew he, he, sto- he, he blew out part the stolen base record in the ABL. And it's just great to hear that. It's great to hear him getting shot. And, and, and he's a humble guy. And just, again, it's it, it's just another good news story, Dan. Well, there's two ways to make the big leagues. You can do what Mike Rousseau did and be an undrafted free agent that no one's heard of, or you do what Jake Fraley did. He was a stud in high school coming out of Delaware and went to LSU, which is uh, Louisiana State University, with an SEC powerhouse. It's one of the top baseball programs in college. Year, I mean, year in and year out, LSU is a top place to go. They draw huge crowds there, a tough place to play. He was All-American there, All-SEC. You know, he was the 77th player taken the draft when he came out in, in 16, or uh, I'm sorry, it was a 15 or 16, 15 draft year, but that, that, that stretch. And, you know, he was, you know, I mean, that, that's a, that's a, that's a high draft pick. 77th player overall, so you're a top 100 pick in the, in the MLB draft. That's the way most people think prospects come from. He was a prospect. And when he came to Australia, we knew he was a prospect. I mean, he's a guy that, he played at you know such a high level in Division One that uh, I mean he he's I mean, he's got the pedigree, but that there's two ways to go about it. You got the way Brousseau did it, or you got the way that uh, that the Jake Fraley did. It. And he, we knew back then. I mean, there was no doubt. You're watching something special. He and his wife now have two kiddos. <laughs> they've uh, they've since we saw him, it was so cool that summer to watch him uh, carry around the youngster around and get all the charter flights. I'm not charter flights. Yeah. All the flights that went on. There was a kiddo right there. He was also, do you remember this, Paul? He and Alex Bregman were roommates at LSU. Yeah, that's right. So he and Alex Bregman 
Now, the Astros were good friends. This is a guy that not only he played a good program, he knew good ball players. He had that whole thing going. And I'm so happy for him. I love that story. I heard the same audio the day he got the gay signed. The gay got sent up to the big leagues. Yeah, nothing like uh, nothing like finding out you're standing in a towel, I guess, right? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm sure people right, right throughout history have heard some bizarre things been standing in nothing but a towel, but uh, get, getting you shot at you're, you're hearing from me in boxer shorts, Majalis. <laughs> so, hey, how do you, what do you yeah. know, right? Live, live from <laughs> Dallas, Texas, is Danny Vaughn and his boxers, folks. It's a, well, yeah, well, how about that? How about that visual, yeah, folks? Well, that'll, that'll send the ratings to the room. Yeah, I, I was going to say, <laughs> we've been trying to figure out how to get to the top of the iTunes chart, but we've just figured out men talking baseball and boxing. Boxes. It's it, it's a new thing. There you go. There you go. It's All we need is a beer. It, you know, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> We've got those upstairs. But uh, while we're talking, you, you mentioned LSU, and I want to have a chat. Gee, of course, you know the college program pretty well over there, the NCAA baseball tournaments, and, uh, and as well to you, Dan, both a couple of guys with – some Texas ties, but in the NBL, the National Basketball League here in Australia, there's been a couple of guys, um, of course, Lonzo Ball's younger, son, younger brother um, and also one of the top draft picks as well come to play basketball in Australia. And by doing so, they've they've avoided going to NCAA, of course. That's, that's still a real raw subject over there with athletes, of course, not being paid. And the ABL is slightly different, but, but where do you see – like for, for younger guys, and we see the Brissos and Fraley's, like where do you see the difference? Like, and what what do you think that at, at some point that the NCAA will change their stance and maybe we start seeing college kids play at the ABL level as well as being eligible to play for college? Go with you first, Gig. That one's still a bit of a tough subject for myself because as a, as a former NCAA athlete, I, I don't, want them to be paid i mean i think there was still uh for my purposes it was still a purity of the game um you, you played because you know for some guys were maybe still chasing to get to that next level so they they had something to commit to and, and a desire to actually perform and, and do things and and that's one of the things that i think really distinguishes uh college sports from pro sports and it's something that i'm sure dan can attest to really in the south you have a real affinity for those college athletic programs um and and people in the north really affiliate more to the the professional level programs but it's one that you know i I always looked at it you you have a lot of that uh desire and and you're still playing for each other playing for a team whereas if, if you're playing in the professional level you're getting a paycheck so sometimes some of those guys don't seem to have that same drive same same effort given day in day out because you know sometimes it's yep we've got our million i'm i'm good to go um but it it is it's it's uh you know and and certainly i think it would dampen a little bit of those programs too because so many of them are are steeped in tradition when you talk about lsu i mean paul maneri's been there for for a number of years and uh, there's been a lot of great great guys come out of that program and and dan i know you mentioned alex bregman being fairly uh Fraley's roommate but I think you know another guy out of LSU there was Aaron Nola for the Phillies I think they were all on that that same that same LSU Tiger team so I mean you talk about three or four guys that are MLB caliber players I mean a lot of times some teams are struggling to get one and and let alone you look at that team and 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 I would wager to bet that there was probably about an additional two that that we're not even thinking of off the top of our heads um and, and the the talent that that some of those programs produce. I mean, that's part of the reason why you go there to those programs is, is because you know, you're going to have a shot. You're being coached by some of the best coaches. You're getting to play, you know, that 50, 60 game schedule. 
your ending in Omaha every year. I mean, that, that one's, it's more of a disappointment when you don't get there. And, and, you know, that's something that, that Texas tech has, has been building these last couple of years. And, and there was a, you know, Tom Bailey was one that I, we, we sat here talking over the, the pro league this winter and the different opportunities and, and what could have been if he was supposed to go to tech and, and would have been on that team that would have made the first college world series for tech and, in. in uh, 2014. And, and so to me, it's some of those opportunities that, that still exist. You know, I, I know paying them is, is on that radar. A lot of guys would like that one, but I, I kind of like the fact that it's don't, and maybe that's still because I didn't get paid from that point. So <laughs> none of us get paid. The, the, the broadcast is broadcast is right. Um, DV, you, you happy with the way the college system is, or do you, do you think that there could be some form of integration between my, minor league prospects and college players? I think at some point there will be, but you've got these college wooden bat leagues that they do play in the summer over here, and like the Northwoods leagues, one of the Cape Cod that are that are run just like minor league operations, but the kids aren't getting paid, and they're playing. It's college kids playing the the, the, the big league or the minor league or professional rules, wooden bats, you know, all that kind of stuff. You've got those. I will say this as a former you know NCAA athlete as well, many moons ago. For both of you gentlemen were alive, probably. I, uh, I, I can tell you this. I'm as a father with, with two daughters in college right now. I can tell you that yes, the, these guys should get something. There should be some real breaks, perhaps uh, you know, relaxing the rules on on some of the things, financial gains or whatever. But college is expensive. I mean, I don't know if you guys are priced for your colleges, but student loans and student debt—that's a huge problem in American society right now. You come out of school with just a, you get out of school with a degree, but you've got to go pay back, pay back the man because you got a degree. And, you know, I know my daughters were trying to get every possible scholarship they could get. I remember being a, a younger, you know, I, I started off at one school because I was going to get more money there for my education than I was anywhere else. But I'm the oldest of four kids. And, you know, I wanted to make it as easy on my family as I possibly could at the time. And so you have that, you have that part of it too. I wasn't thinking at the time, Man, I can't wait to get the NFL. Although that was always, you know, a goal, or if you make the big leagues or whatever, whatever your goal is. At that time, I'm thinking about how I'm going to pay for going to school, and I think there's a little bit of that too because those scholarships. Granted, not all these baseball scholarships are full ride, which is a, pays for everything. But even if you get 20 percent paid for half your scholarship, whatever. And again, as a father, when my when my daughter's uh, tuitions come due, and I don't have to pay, we're only paying you know half what they're due. That's a pretty big deal. I got one in private school, and I got one in, in state school. And I can tell you, private school ain't cheap. And state school is not – you put a girl, a, a daughter, a son, or whoever in a four-year college with a dorm and an apartment and bills and, and, and all that stuff, it ain't cheap. And so a chance to, to, to get that college education for free, and I think they should probably do a little more better integration. We're heading that way. Gee, was gee, you're right. We're heading that way. He's that's a really good point about in the United States. The northern cities tend to be more professionally oriented, and the southern tend to be more collegiate oriented. And you're having a real big movement now in the minor leagues down here about trying to pay the minor league players better. And that's part of this whole thing too, because you got you got a real a big wage imbalance of both professional athletes and collegiate and minor league athletes, and that's a whole whole other part of this whole problem. You, you know, I think it's headed that way to some kind of integration. I don't know if it'll ever, ever fully go that way. And a lot of it's got to be, too, and Guy would, I'm sure you understand, you know this, too. 
there are a lot of programs out there in college, baseball, football, basketball, who get caught in all kinds of scandals. There's one big one on right now in basketball in college in the States. It's a shoe scandal. It's about uh, a shoe brand promoting their shoe brand to these, these universities and giving millions of dollars in recruits and all this stuff. And it's a big mess. The United States government's involved in it. It's a, a big mess. And because they didn't relax those rules a little bit as far as sponsorship and, and all that, that would help a lot. Because right now, you can't even sneeze. The NCAA is going to put a sanction on you. And that's part of the problem. So you have this big mess. It's, it's a whole show. We can, do, we can probably do a whole show on this thing, Paul, on all the levels about how, how, how it affects uh, the, the sporting business in general worldwide. Well, the, the good news, if we do do a whole show on it, I've got this, I've got this great college soundbite ready to go. So, so I've got the whole TT. <laughs> You know, that's a we'll great segue high, into... We'll hit him low. We'll push the ball across the goal. Check, fight, fight. You know, <laughs> right, that's, a, that's a great segment to, uh, <laughs> you know, one thing I was going to ask you about, Dan Vaughn, is did you see the latest uh, Chris Beard fireside chat? I, I've seen, the, uh, I've seen the, the tweet. I haven't had a chance to watch it, but I've seen the tweet. We've had a real busy travel week. Uh, I'm going to get into that. I went back <laughs> twice, which is plenty. Once a year in Iowa is enough, but twice in a week. But uh, no, I've seen the tweet. I haven't said, I've heard it's gold. Oh, heard it, it's gold. it is. So it is it worth its weight in gold. I think uh, Chris Beard was uh, joined by the new uh, head football coach, Matt Wells, as long as, Matt as well as uh, Jim Rome. <clears throat> right. What he's talking about is, uh, is uh, Chris Beard is the head basketball coach at Texas Tech. And uh, he's a, one of those, those guys that gets the whole. The, the, the time we live in with social media and all that, he does this little, little. It's a big deal. It's called Fireside Chat. He does online, and it's it's a, it's a real big deal. And he does. And of course, I, I, the headline I saw was Fireside Chat on hottest day in Lubbock. So I knew that was. I guess the fire was pretty hot. It was also hot out there. But I I will definitely be checking it out today for the ball game. Well, it is. We'll talk about Fireside Chat. We're going to go into Rapid Fire Chat. Uh, we're going to have a couple of minutes on each of the remaining topics. The first one we're going to bring though is the Adelaide Bite. If you hadn't ca- taken the news, the Adelaide Bite have changed their name to the Adelaide Giants. Of course, back 30 years ago, when the ABL first rolled around in 1989, they were known as the Adelaide Giants. We remember a couple of years ago, Dan Vaughan and I were in Adelaide to broadcast the game when they did the throwbacks to the Giants uniform. They've gone back now to the Adelaide Bite. We'll take a quick rip around to what we think. I'll start, though. I don't like it. I think they should remain the Adelaide Bite. And the reason why I think they should remain the Adelaide Bite is I think sometimes you can go into a danger when you've got a brand and you're building a brand. You can go into a danger to take the easy road, and that is to go back the nostalgia route. From my point of view, I don't think if, if for the last 10 years they've been known as the Adelaide Bite. 10 years prior to that, they were not really known as anything because the league didn't exist. 10 years prior to that, though, the Adelaide Giants. So you're looking at your fan base between the ages of five and probably 25, who the Adelaide Giants name holds absolutely no meaning nor significance to them. And now you're going back to the Adelaide Giants, trying to build a game, trying to build a team, trying to build a sport around a name that doesn't hold a lot of weight for younger people. I know the people of Adelaide have had a lot of thoughts to it. They are now the Adelaide Giants. Uh, quick whip around the room. Geed, you like going back to old names? You, you're happy to keep the new one? Oh, you know, it's very interesting because uh, 
my first time to Adelaide was with you, Paul, and yep. it was in the championship Jim, series yep. uh, when the heat. I uh, still smell that smoking, uh, <laughs> smoking that smoking meat. pig. That, yeah. that was uh, <laughs> on the sidelines there. I mean, that was fantastic, and and at Norwood Oval, and you know, it, it, it is kind of different because it, it's something that too even. A lot of times you talk about people here in Perth, you know, they talk about what once was. Um, and in Adelaide, I had the, the, the same kind of sentiment there is when, when you were talking to people, they were very nostalgic to, to the things that they liked. And, and um, you know, I, I totally understand both sides of it from, from that standpoint. Uh, you know, there is a risk to it. I mean, I guess this one, you know, depending on what they're looking for, it certainly is uh, rebranding everything. So it's an opportunity to sell all new hats, jerseys. And well, that's um, it. Yep. It, it was another thing that we talked about. I mean, the same thing with uh, in, in basketball, LeBron uh, giving up his number, probably. I mean, that's a whole other thing that Lakers are able to sell yeah, jerseys, well, not just it. for LeBron, but for, uh, for, uh, I, I can't think who went over there, the, from new Orleans, Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis. So, I mean, it, it's, it's certainly an opportunity and another way to, to potentially make some money. And, yep. and, you know, it, it was interesting that the criteria for, for also with rebranding, you know, they wanted to keep their state colors involved. So it's still the, the Navy, the red and the yep. yellow and, yep. uh, and, and everything from like that one. So, you know, it's, it's taking a bit out there, but, uh, you know, if it, if it turns into more fans for them, I, I think it's, uh, it's a positive thing. And, and certainly, you know, they haven't had much success with the bite name. So maybe they're trying to, uh, uh, add to that flavor and, and go back to something that was successful for them. Dan, your thoughts, Adelaide Giants. Uh, I actually don't know if they, the Adelaide Giants competed in all 10 seasons, the ABL, but did not make the championship playoffs once. So they didn't, they've had more successes at the bite than the Giants. What are your thoughts, Dan? Do you like, do you like going back? Do you like, the, do you like the throwback one round or do you like the whole throwback together? It doesn't bug me either way, but I'll say this, that as far as, you know, that's how it used to be back 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s in North America. Every minor league team, you would be called, if you were, say, the Dodgers affiliate, and you'd be called the Tulsa Dodgers, or you'd be called the uh, whatever, you know, that was the, that was more likely the case. Now, not always. In the Southern League, the Pacific Coast League, those are more regional leagues. Those teams had names, local names, but as far as you know, minor league towns and, you know, Oneonta, New York, or whatever, somebody's like that. They were the Yankees and, you know, places like that. And that was how it used to be. And then, again, the Southern and Pacific Coast had more regional names. But kind of like what, what, what Gee's saying, I mean, I don't know what – I don't know what – I thought the bite thing as far as sales and marketing, if you come from that angle, should be a pretty good thing. Yeah. But the Giants, to me, are you the San Francisco Giants affiliate? Are you the Tokyo Giants affiliate? Yeah. Are you – related to the Giants at all? Yep. Are you a, uh, what Giants are you? You know, I think that gets granted. I don't know that if they'd won 10 titles there, I might be saying, Oh, you know what? No, why not? But it, I hate to see the bike thing go just from a standpoint, because it, it fits the whole, the, the, the Australia, you know, the coastline. Yep. I love the logo. I think, I mean, and you're thinking about kids, you mentioned kids earlier. I mean, a kiddo, Wearing a cartoon shark with the, with the, you know, the shark and noodle shirt would be great. You know, some yeah. kind of tie in there. I mean, there's, there's, I don't know what they didn't do there because they've done a great job of branding their ballpark or their ball, the ballpark experience. That's what's their ballpark. Of course, their experience the sh- is great. And of course, we're missing on the shark tank, the, the, uh, the famed shark tank. Yeah, the tank. I mean, all that. Good mate, Boris. And I think, I think I'll tie this back into one more thing, Paul. I'll tie it back into one thing facilities. Yep. I don't think they're at this point. If they had a facility over the years, that's not just Adelaide. I'm talking about everybody except for Perth, probably, and maybe Sydney. If they all had facilities 
they could actually build a brand upon because what you're they're, they're rebranding out the peach. They were down the city. And you guys talked about that. You know, sometimes it's not just the brand. It's where you're branding it from. And I think that's part of it too. But again, it didn't rub my feathers one way or the other. You know, I'd still probably buy a cap either way, but yep. you know, I still hate this. I hate this bike name go. It was creative. Yeah, me too. And I, just for the record, for everyone else playing at home, as we'll move on to the next topic, the original clubs of the ABL were the Adelaide Giants, the Brisbane Bandits, the Gold Coast Clippers, the Melbourne Monarchs. Begs the question: uh, the Ace is going to rebrand at some point. Parramatta Patriots, the Sydney Metros, the Perth Heat, and the Waverley Reds, of course, as well. So maybe we'll see Melbourne Reds. Of course, other teams that came in: the Melbourne Bush Rangers, later became the Canberra Bush Rangers, later became the Canberra Cavalry, the Sydney. Blues, of course, later became the Sydney Blue Sox, the Sydney Wave, the Hunter Eagles as well down there. I think in Wollongong, the Hunter Eagles were, but uh, we will move on now to Venezuela and things happening in Venezuela. The Major League Baseball Commission have come out and said that they're not that mad keen on winter ball being played in Venezuela. Based on this, Guy Belair, first to you, what opportunity of the one obvious one is there should be a more influx of MLB players or MLB prospects coming to play in the ABL? Well, I mean, this has got repercussions of, of kind of an epic magnitude. Um, you know, one of the things, there, there's only so many winter leagues that are available to players. Uh, I think some of the bigger ones, Venezuela was one of the bigger ones, the Dominican Republic is one of the bigger ones. Um, and one of the things, especially with uh, concerns with those areas, was always uh, with players going down there and, um, you know, potential unrest with kidnappings or being able to help for ransom yep. because they're, you know, they're potentially millionaires from, from that standpoint. Uh, one positive is, you know, this is, it, it can send people to Australia one, because you're playing in the summertime. So it's, you know, beautiful weather that, that you get out here. Um, you know, and that's one of the, the draws for Perth or, or teams that play in Australia, you get treated like big leaguers cause you get to fly to the games instead of the 12 hour bus rides and everything else that kind of exists in the minor league. And of course, then it's an English speaking country, which uh, makes things a little bit easier, but without players being able to go back, you know, it's, it's taking them into um, less options. Uh, so it's, it's uh, for, for what's available, but then too, uh, like the Caribbean world series is one where the champions of each one of those leagues get to, to play off. And, and if players aren't going to play for Venezuela, that's one less country that's even involved within the Caribbean series. And it's, it's another thing that, you know, back when I first started, we used to have that, that Asia series. Uh, and that one has kind of gone away, uh, after I believe Australia still holds the title because we were the last winner of it. But, uh, you know, it's kind of a shame to see some of these opportunities decreasing, but it certainly, uh, values that more opportunities might come and, and something that, you know, the, the ABL CEO has been, been championing and, and is, uh, broadening their horizons and we've seen Geelong come in we've seen New Zealand come in and it's another opportunity that that maybe more teams or countries uh further join the ABL well that's it of course the MLB break broke the ties of Venezuela baseball over the U.S. embargoes according to the U.S. Baseball Federation decision was taken to avoid risk of sanctions being landed against MLB individuals or organization on the ground that the Venezuela league receives about U.S. 12 million dollars state funding from oil firm PDVSA. Dan, we've spoken, you and I have spoken this till we're blue in the face. If you're an ABL team, league, owner, call it what you will, surely at this point you would start going, okay, we've, the league and everyone has been eyes all in on Asia. Surely now you would, you would 
you would change your course and go, okay, we are absolutely all in for MLB and MLB affiliates because Australia, similar to what's happening in basketball here, Australia would have to now land as almost the number one, if not the number one winter league destination. I've said it a thousand times. I've told you this. I said, I said, I said the air in the state. I said the air over there. When I go on the road, and people know who I broadcast games for overseas, it's always a topic of conversation. Players seek me out. Uh, former players seek me out. Uh, guys I've seen seek me out. I have broadcasters want to talk about it. They all want jobs over there. I mean, everybody wants to come play. I don't. People realize the, the impact Australia has in the American culture. Americans don't travel very far. We go to Vegas or Orlando and squeeze a week into two days. That's what Americans do. I don't like it because I love the way Australians and Europeans go on long holidays. Most Australians have been to America. I said to say most, but more. There are more Australians have been to America than Australians have been to Australia. So that being said, there's this whole mystery and this whole romanticism about going to Australia and playing baseball in a safe place. I get bombarded by it. I can't tell you. Every day I get a conversation asking me about the league. Almost every day I get a conversation about it when I'm traveling with the ball club in Kansas City. It always comes up. I don't think the, I don't know if the ABL realizes this. I don't know if they care. I don't know. But I'm tell, I've, I've said this on Blue in the Face, and I think somebody out there has heard me on the air say this. Somebody at the higher level has heard me say, I'm here. I'd, I'd be happy to be your ambassador over here. I'm volunteering to do it for you. Because people come to me constantly, want to play in the league, how do I play in the league, how do I get in the league. I don't think people realize that. And yet the league is so worried about Asia, and I think they should be. Don't get me wrong. Yep. You should be worried about Asia. But at the same time, <laughs> you know, you gotta, they need a place to play winter ball. These Americans, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you two stories about this. Whole, this is a hot button for me, okay? Chris Colabella, you know, former yep. Blue Jay, yep. was a member of the T-Bones this year. Yep. Chris, Chris and I had this conversation two days ago. In, in Iowa, he joined Team Italy for this exhibition series in Spain coming up next week, and we were talking about the whole Australian Baseball League. Yep. He told me, point blank, he'd love to see Italian players go play over there as opposed to going to Venezuela. He told me that Australia is a perfect winter destination for guys to go play because of the whole situation around the world. Yep. He's telling me this. And Colabello is a guy who's been the big leagues and all-star. Yep. You know, he's telling me that. You know, so it's not just me making this up. I'll tell you a second story. Why Venezuela is so bad right now? This is two years ago. I had the travel or three years ago for the Gary South Shirell Cat, which means when the season's over, I would send the players tickets or their, you know, give, give their plane tickets to fly home. We had three Venezuelan players on our team that year. It was the saddest thing. I got told you this, Paul. I don't know if Guy's heard the story, but it was the saddest thing. They all came to my office the day after the season was over, three of these players, and a couple of them speak very good English. And they said to me, look, uh, we need to talk to you. And I already bought their plane tickets and all that. And they wanted to know if they could get extra bag fees paid for because they didn't take back formula, diapers, things of that nature for their children, their kids, and clothes for their kids. And they couldn't get to Venezuela. And these kids were so emotional and so thankful. They hugged me for buying for paying a $45 uh, a baggage fee on Avianca Airlines, whatever it was. Here's these, these guys were so emotional and so grateful because it wasn't about baseball, it was life. And there's life down there that's not going very well with those players. And that's why some of those players are going to play in the States 
and they don't want to go back down. They don't want to go down there. We you mentioned kidnapping. Yep. People losing their lives down there, getting shot. Yep. And I don't think people realize the opportunity is there for Australia to step in and say, "Hey, we're the place to come play ball." And I think that I think you're right on, Paul. That this a it's a huge hot topic for me because the Trump government's not going to allow Americans to play there. Any MLB players. You know, there used to be that used to be a great place to go play. The money was great. You were treated like a celebrity. Venezuelan players wanted to go home and play in their country. That's what other thing too. He was talking about these Caribbean players. They want to play in their home countries. They want to go back and showcase their talent to their home fans. But now they you can't do it without going down and getting kidnapped. And so it's a real problem. It's a huge problem. And I've seen this point blast of these these kids come to me and tell me. Look, there's no cash value in anything you give me. I need goods. You know, they don't want their they don't want a check to take them home. They need diapers for their kid. That that to me that blew me away. Blew me away, Paul. Uh, absolutely. It's uh and I guess one of the interesting parts of the Australia Venezuela MLB is quite possibly when it's all said and done in 10, 50, 20, 100 years time. Possibly Ronald Acuna could maybe be the greatest player that ever came and played in the ABL course of Venezuelan native as well. But um, it, yeah, it's just, uh, it, I know, Dan, you and I have spent countless hours. But for me, if I'm, if, if I'm in the executive boardrooms of the ABL, I know that Asia is a hypothetical pot of gold. But, you know, from where I sit, you, you've got a country of 400-odd million people you know, throw in Canada as well, because don't forget Canada's a baseball-mad country. Added another near on 40 million yeah. people there. Plus, you know, the, the game is growing in Europe. We saw we saw the Yankees and the Red Sox play in London for, for 110,000 or 115,000 people over two games, or maybe even more than that. It, it's it's logical to go the American route. It's... it's, it's, it's like it is just as you say that the ties between Australia and the US are so strong. The language is the same, and I know all these. Things, I know the time zones the same in Asia. But for me, I mean, I am if I'm in the ABL head office, I'm 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 the captain on that ship. I'm changing the course straight to the US because for me, especially with this Venezuela thing basically out of play, you have the opportunity to really be the hub of something great. And particularly in the West Coast, because remember that these seven o'clock games in Perth are seven a.m. games in the East Coast. I mean, people can be driving to work in New York, as we've said it all the time, Dan. People can be driving to work in New York and Toronto and Boston, and it's 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 breakfast baseball. And I do it every day. I listen to baseball on my drive to work here. I mean, it, there's something magical and special about it, and I, I think it's time. For us, and, and, and Gig as well, I think it's time for us, and this is what we're trying to do as part of Talking Baseball, really say that like we are looking and, and our eyes are firmly on the relationship between North America and Australia. No, I think that's a, it's a great thing that, you know, we talk about that. I mean, even during those times, you have baseball right now, daily basis, as you say. I mean, it's great to be able to wake up at five in the morning and, and catch games yep. that are on on the weekends yep. or, or, you know, you're coming in and you can flick that game on and, and you have baseball until about lunchtime every day. And, and even in the, uh, even in wintertime or, you know, a summer out here, you, you've got the NFL, you know, Sundays and Mondays, you've got the, the basketball games on and, yep. and it's kind of nice and, and refreshing. And uh, I always lived on in the central and Eastern time zones. And, you know, a lot of times you go, go 
to bed late after watching those games and you're like man if only i lived on the west coast where you know these games would start at 9 a.m and and then be done by three and i'd still have the rest of the day to do something but you know that that's kind of the 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 theory there is you're, you're waking up you're able to get your games right away in the morning and then you still have your rest of your day out here well hear more from us about the North America, Australia Alliance, as we go along right here on Talking Baseball Australia. One thing we want to talk about now, though, is the man we used to call Mr. Reliable. He was so good for the heat for such a long period of time. Scott Mitchinson coming out as, as one of the one of the better, from a modern-day perspective, one of the better modern-day relievers in the ABL. News this week is he's going to the Melbourne Aces. No surprise, Scott has is one of the nicest guys in the world. He has lived in Melbourne for the last few years, and he's flown in to play for Perth. Logically, it makes sense. The Aces, of course, their ownership deal fell over. They've got new owners now. They're no longer going to Albert Park, which is all going to be an amazing big ballpark. They're back in Laverton. Uh, but Scotty Mitchinson, we've, we've all had interactions with Scotty. Um, terrific guy and a great pickup for the Aces, who now from that heat dynasty have, of course, Luke Hughes, Alan D. San Miguel, and now Scott Mitchinson. So all, all that's old is new again in, uh, in Aces town. I, I was actually going to just ask you, uh, we were talking about the rebranding. Are they really going to be the Melbourne Aces or are they going to be the Melbourne former Heat? <laughs> Something like that. So, but uh, Dan, you, the Heat Light. Yeah, yeah the Heat Light. You, uh, you're a big fan of Scotty. It's a, it's a good pickup for the Aces because oh. it's, it's, it's that, that, that sound mind you know, of the bullpen more than anything. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. I mean, it, it sounded like to me initially when the whole thing came down that he was retiring. I mean, that. Yeah. That's what the whole, you know, all the social media I saw, Grant, where, you know, we used to be more involved in that than we are now, but I was on the impression that he was retiring. They were sitting off to the, to the pasture and what a great legend and all that. And then I look up 10 days later, boom, he's in, it makes sense. I understand why, because he's a bit, if you said he's been in Victoria now uh, for a better part of, you know, so, four or five years, but I get that. He, he's been going back and forth. He's going to be playing there close to home. I understand that, but, I, to me, it sounded like the story was, and I don't know if the Heat didn't tell the story or it was told by him, or I don't think it was Scott, but somebody didn't tell the whole story because what the impression I got, again, looking at what was being put out by the ball club was that he's retiring. Wasn't that the word used? Or am I just dreaming? That? No, no, it, it was retiring. Um, I think at some point, because I, I noticed as well, I, I think it's in the Australian under-18s, he's, he's acting as a physiotherapist. I'm, I'm reasonably sure it's for the 18s, of course. Yeah, we, it, it we, is. We will have, we'll have Steve Fish on in the next couple of weeks as well to talk more about Australia. So I, I, I sort of think, and I also know over in the State League there in Victoria, there's quite a bit of money in, for the teams, for, for the Melbourne um, Victoria State League teams as well. So I think possibly it was looking at still playing but maybe not the aces but you know look i guess you get the itch you get the opportunity and and, and yeah it, we i thought oh, he was, reti- I, I I thought he was retired as well i'm not i'm not i just i just thought he's retired he's 30 some odd years old yep. you, know, you know which is retiring in baseball 30 some odd that's about normal i thought okay he's he's been a great he's a great guy love his family he's a he's a heater to me always gamer guts yep. you, all the adjectives you want to use class act and then and i'm thinking okay they're gonna honor this guy retiring and make a big yep. deal out of it and now he's gonna go to melbourne and, and i don't think that's again i don't blame him at all it's not no, i just no. don't understand the i guess i guess i get lost in translation yeah. a little bit we do speak the same language but to me when a guy retires he may go become do something else physio or whatever is yep. one thing but he's gonna be playing for their for a team that uh 
you know, I would say they're pretty good rivals. And, I, you know, I, I like what they've done. I had a chance to meet. I'll just, I'll just throw this out there real quick. I had a chance to meet with some of those the new front office guys. They're there in Melbourne. They came by Kansas City oh, back in late June or July. Had a spin afternoon with them, and they're, they're fired up. They, they went on a tour. These guys went on a tour across the country to all these minor league parks and big league parks, meeting front office people, friendly people, and they could get as much information as possible on how to help them relaunch the aces. And I think that, to me, shows you they're on the right track. You're going to take that kind of time and go around and, and, and kick the tires and pick the brains of folks, even even my, even me, even pick my brain, which isn't very big. They, uh, I appreciate it. I thought that really showed me that, that they're trying to do some things there that maybe outside the box haven't been done in the league before. Absolutely. And I will say one thing on Scott Mitchinson, though, and one thing I thought that was amazing, I, I got word from you know a few people in and around amongst uh, the players of the organisation that uh, Scotty Mitchinson went out of his way to make sure that before any, he made his final decision with the Melbourne Aces, he let all his former teammates know at the heat that this is what he was probably going to do. He wanted everyone to know that it was for all the right reasons, like you know, fly, the fly and fly out. So as you said, Dan, absolute classy guy. He was classy all the way. He was a a credit to himself and his teammates and of course uh, let all the teammates know his decision making process before anyone uh, read it online so good luck to Scotty Mitchinson we look forward to seeing him this year a couple of other changes around the ABL before we just uh, finish it off with a little bit of MLB of course you would have read uh, in Perth uh, Brook Knight of course come back he sort of alluded to that when I was on the broadcast last year I had Brook on as a guest he really could see that he had the itch to come back and coach in Australia. Um, seemingly had the itch to probably come back to where it all – like he had so much success. Uh, of course, he had just had success with the Cavallis Knights as well. They just won a championship as well. Uh, a, a nice nice piece to, to get, get to, into the heat. Um, and, of course, they retain Andy Kyle as, as a coach there as well. Um, we've all had interactions with Brook, uh, you know – can't be faulted as far as his record. Of course, took the Adelaide bite um, to a championship series as well. That one in Adelaide against the Heat. Um, a terrific manager and, and a good pickup. I mean, we talk about guys that are just class acts or, or that just, just kind of get it. I mean, Brooke Knight is probably the epitome of that one from everything that I've understood. I've, I've had the pleasure of meeting him on multiple occasions. Uh, I w- didn't get to experience uh, – the, the heat under the Brook Knight era. Um, I got to, he, he came out and, and I got to meet Briley during my first year and, and work with, with uh, Briley as uh, uh, you know, one of the, the underage juniors. And, and uh, there was a nice article. He's obviously now playing for the university of Utah. Um, but you know, they just set the record for the most wins in the, that summer conference and, and the most wins total in the summertime on their way to the, whatever number of championships, yep. but, but we talk about Brooke Knight and, and the success that he had. I mean, that, that Adelaide team was one that if, if they weren't worse to, to first that year um, as, as minor premieres in, in that essence, I mean, it was, it was pretty close because he, he turned their uh, attitude, their, their whole outlook on things around in a, in a very quick time. And that was one that a lot of people were not surprised by that one. And it's something too, that, you know, as Perth is uh, kind of rebounding after not making to the championship series for a while, they've been they've been just off the the cusp of it these these last couple of years. You know, they're really pushing to uh, bring that title, bring the Claxton Shield back, and and you know, knock Brisbane off of, of that perch. 
Dan, all that's old is new again for the Adelaide Giants and also the Heat getting back to their original, from the relaunched ABL manager in Brook Knight. I mean, from a record point of view, I mean, I, I know we're both, you and I are both big Andy Kyle fans and, and glad Andy's still got part of that system, but uh, hard, to, hard to argue sort of the opportunity, I guess, to put uh, Brook Knight back in charge. No, how, how do you argue with that? He, he most successful, you know, really successful run there. Class act, as, as he said. And look at it from a competitive standpoint. This is one thing I think that helps Brisbane to a huge advantage. Not just their affiliation with the Rays, obviously, the Heat. But Brisbane has got, you know, Dave Nielsen is the skipper. But he's got a guy in Jim Bennett who's yep. deeply involved in independent baseball in the States. Knight's the same way. Granted, it's at the collegiate level, but he knows he knows talent. He sees talent. He's got contacts in North America. I mean, you're, you need to find a ball player. You need a left-handed pitcher. He's going to find you one. You know, you need a you need somebody to come in and DH and, and for it. He's going to find you one. He he's won seven titles in that league, I believe that that wood bat league out there in California or the West Coast, on yep. the West Coast. He's dialed in. I mean, if you're looking for you know the Rays are going to send you, the Rays send you. So if you need, you know, uh, whoever it is you want to, you want to grab off the, you know, you need, a, you need a power bat, he can help you find one. Just like Jim Bennett's able to help put more independent players in Brisbane. They lead the league of independent players over the years because you've got ties in North America. You've got a manager who's your pitching coach in the, in the, in the biggest independent league in the country, in the States. And now you've got a guy who's one of the best collegiate wooden bat league coaches and has deep ties in Division One. as fun as you mentioned, at the University of Utah. Power conference. I mean, this is a guy. His, his Rolodex, you want to call it his virtual Rolodex, is going to be huge. And the top of the loft, as you said, class act. Class act indeed. So we'll uh, see what he does for the Heat this season. Brooke Knight, of course, we look forward to having him on Talking Baseball Australia many times throughout the season. We'll finish off now just with a bit of an MLB and kind of uh, having a look at what's going on around there. As we look at it now in the American League, we have division leaders, the Houston Astros in of course, the West and the Yankees in the East and Minnesota. Two wildcard teams, Cleveland and Oakland. Probably the biggest surprise this season, five games back of the Boston Red Sox, of course, last year's champions. And your Texas Rangers, 12 games back from a wild card spot. <laughs> the uh, Over in the North in the National League, St. Louis, the Allied Dodgers and Atlanta leading their relative divisions at Washington and Chicago Cubs. Your Cubs, Guy Belair. They're uh, right there in a wildcard spot at the moment with the Phillies and the Milwaukee Brewers knocking on the door there. I, just, I don't know. I had high expectations for the Colorado Rockies, but for some they're 13 games back in a wildcard. The bottom bottom rung in their, in their division, it's it's um, it's just bizarre. They, they, were, they were like a hot team like 12 months ago. Two years ago, they, they, were, gonna, they were the next team, and now they're, now they're the worst in the National League West. You know, that one's a, a, a tough get. And, and one of the things that I, I don't think you get the same on a year-in, year-out basis is is pitching. You know, guys that uh, you think are going to be good or, or, or maximized for whatever reason, the the air is thinner out there, and it, it must just wreak havoc on, on pitchers more so than anything. And Because, you know, obviously, Arenado signed a, a big contract extension. They, they signed a couple of guys, um, and, and they had what – what they thought were eight power hitters and they, they thought they had arms that could, could relate, but they just haven't managed to piece everything together. And I mean, this is a team too, that last year, um, you know, the Brewers managed to beat the Cubs in game one sixty three, 
And then uh, the Cubs immediately had to go play the Rockies. The Rockies took it to them and, and then, you know, uh, gave a gave a run to the Dodgers there uh, for for a little while, and and you thought that would be kind of uh, make uh, the West a little bit more challenging than it has turned out to be. But uh, the Dodgers have kind of run away with it yet again, and and um, you know everything else is is kind of you know come come back full circle. But yep. the uh, the NL Central seems to still be the uh, the race, and, and I think the the lead has changed. Uh, you know, in the last month has changed between the three teams, um, each yep. holding that one. So that, that one's uh, definitely coming down to the stretch. And I noticed that the the Cubs got to the better of the Mets for the second time today, and they actually won a, a home series on the road. Finally, a, a true road series, not just the the neutral site one. That was the uh, Little League Classic. That's it. The you know, Little League Classic going on at the moment. Dan. Uh, I want to just talk to you. You're part of the Kansas City T-Bones, of course, of the American Association. The team across town of the Kansas City Royals, of course, a couple of years ago, won the World Series, and now they're sort of languishing at 47 wins, 87 losses, 30 games out of a wild card spot. Just as someone who spends so much time in Kansas City, what what's the vibe like about the Royals at the moment? I mean, that was, as I say, they were World, World Series champions not that long ago, and now... You know, it's only Baltimore and Detroit that that are sort of patting them from the wooden spoon, if you want, in the American League. I mean, what's, what's the talk about Kansas City? Like, and 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 is there hope and optimism for the future, or is it a case of you know what we won the World World Series a few years back? We don't. It doesn't matter if we don't win it for another twenty years. Well, there are several cities in America that are baseball cities. Obviously, Boston would be one. Uh, New York would be one. Uh, Chicago is one. St. Louis. People don't realize Kansas City is baseball. It, 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 you know, the Chiefs are big right now. They're very big right now with Patrick Mahomes, Red Raider. But the Royals history, but prior to that, the Kansas City Athletics history, the A's used to play there. And Kansas City is a baseball city. And, and, and it always has been. And, and even though the, you know, they, they've had the most success as a franchise in that market, they've been World Series champions and in, 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 a, in, a early, in the 80s when, when there was no chance for a small market team to win and now in the, in the aughts when you can real build up the farm system. The biggest news right now in Kansas City is that uh, the team's for sale. That, the, uh, that David Glass is going to actually ask and looking for, they're, looking at, they're talking about a billion. Yep. He's going to make a killing because he got that team on, on the low. They, they built that brand of World Series champion and, and they, they built and owned the property out in Arizona as well. And you know, make, he's gonna make, he's gonna make a, he's gonna make a killing on that deal. Of course, you can also throw T bones in there for a, a two for one if you want. Uh, get, you get the minor league team and the big league team if you want. They're both they're both for sale in the market. So you can you buy the Royals and the T bones. But uh, that's the big news. Kansas baseball. But the people in Kansas City, you know, hey, get two for one, right? Get your T bones and the Royals. But it was, it was a joke on the air the other night. But in yeah. uh, that in that market, the Chiefs right now are the thing. I mean, everybody's wearing red. Everybody's wearing a Mahomes jersey. Everybody is. Everybody's into the Chiefs, and the Royals are kind of. They've become an afterthought. It's. It's actually helped the T Bones where I'm at because people want to see a winning baseball club, and the T Bones are going for a third straight you know playoff appearance and all this. So it's been a plus for for Kansas City baseball fans to see at least a minor league team doing well. But the fans are like anywhere else, man. They're fickle. Yep. I mean, they're fickle in Kansas City. They for the most part, the average baseball fan, the guy who goes out and sees the Royals. Ten times a year is going to see them five times because they're throwing out the right. This has been going on since July. Since July first, prospect and prospect, 
prospect, prospect, prospect out there, guys you never heard of. And, and that's and that's that's part of the whole rebranding by winning and losing. You've got to got to get that whole thing built again. And you know their 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 farm system's okay. It's not a top ten, but it's okay. But it, it's it, it's just a real weird situation how quickly things turn. 2015, they were the darlings, and now you look back down in like Texas the same way. The Rangers are the same spot. Yep. You look four years later, boom, you're you're you're, you're garbage. Yep. Well, as a Toronto Blue Jays supporter, I can fully attest to the fact that they have no one left from 2015. And uh, sure, they've got Bo and Vlad Guerrero Jr. and um, Kevin Biggio as well. So they've got some pretty good names coming through, but they, they're not good at the moment. But, but, gonna... I, but you even said it too. You even said it too in your tweet. I think you, I'm quoting your tweet. But yep. You said something online. You know, you're showing me that, which is great. But, I, but you're a longtime fan who's wanting to be sold wins and losses. You're more worried about that than, than necessarily the new, the new names and faces. I mean, the next time the, the, the team's good, who does, how many of those guys will be around? How many of those will be spun off of the park? Well, you know, I don't it. know. Well, who it. knows? But I, I like that. I don't know. Big, building a big league club is, is – you look at the top farm systems. He knows this. I mean, look at the top farm systems right now. You, you, you know, you look at the ones tell, – tell me the teams in the postseason hunt. I'll tell you they're probably a top 15 farm system. Dodgers, yep, they're probably top two. Uh, Padres are ranked number one. Yep. Blue, uh, the uh, the Braves are in the race. They're not top top ten. Braves, uh, gosh, the Yankees uh, have had a pretty good the, you know, the twi- tw- well, Twins, the, the Yankees, are one, the Yankees are one that have notoriously not have the farm system because they've always opened the checkbook yes. to, yeah. to to go and get what is, they need. Yes. And this is where they're and, in that new direction. And that well, was, there's two ways to build it. Well, and, and, and yeah. you, you go back and talk about it. I mean, at the time, Kansas City was one that was uh, they were starved for success there for yep. a while, and yep. and and uh, Glass was was heavily criticized for never opening the checkbook to go get players, and then he yep. finally did for those couple yep. of years. Y- y- yep. They went out, they won the yep. World Series, and then he didn't want to retain those guys. Now they're all right. on on right. other rosters that are are in the playoffs here. And to say that's about baseball. You know, market like Kansas City, it's not a top ten market. You know, New York can just throw it right. You know, the Yankees can write a check to whoever they want to write a check for. They don't have to worry about developing the next, you know, Ramacuna. They don't have to worry about that. But but the, but the Royals do. The Padres do. The the the, the Rays do. And, and they have to worry about finding those 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 prospects that are going to be on the cheap. And you're right. We saw this. Many, and you go out to Johnny Damon. He was yeah. a stud with, with with the Royals back you know years ago. But he, he was he was a royal before he was anything else. You're but right. He I mean that that outfield was a- that outfield was uh, Johnny Damon, Jermaine Die, and and I can't remember the other yep. guy, but it was it was a stud outfield that. And they all all of those three guys made their living and their and their and their and their their fame someplace else because the Royals couldn't pay him, and that's not just their, that's not a royal problem. That's that's several teams' problems. That's why you know we, we talked about this before. You know. Paul and I had this whole discussion before. It's why you, you never know what organization you're going to be in, how fast the track the big leagues is, because based upon what they yep. do in the farm system, what their their money they spend, and all that, you you know, you can think, oh, I'd love to be in the big leagues with the Yankees, and it, and it may be easier to be in the big leagues with the Tigers, you know, or whatever. It just all depends on the timing of it all. But you're you're right on. It's just Kansas City. It is not just Kansas City. They're, they're again, look at the same teams. Look where they're all sitting. Look at the teams that are in the postseason race right now. The Astros are a classic example. Great farm system, good market, good ballpark. They know what they, the front office 
from top to bottom and knows what they're doing. Well, Cups, in, in, great baseball city, good farm system, all these things. They in, all add up, and those are the successful teams. Well, you, you, you add on that one. It's great minds are, are, are a big part of that one, too. I mean, obviously, Theo Epstein was at the Red Sox. He's at the Cubs now. But one that was kind of underrated is obviously one that we the, the Perth have that affiliate with is the Tampa Bay Rays. That ownership of, of Stu Sternberg and when Andrew Freidberg was there before going over to the Dodgers to be their their head of baseball operations, you know, they they made a lot of moves that, that people question. I mean, they let Carl Crawford go and Carl Crawford at the time was the face of the franchise. You know, he went to Boston, Boston thought they were getting a heck of a deal. He didn't amount to much, you know, at the same time, the the next tough decision they made, they let David price walk. You know, they traded him out the door, got some talent in behind him, and, and they're kind of reaping a little bit of those benefits. And, and then we just saw the last one. And we talked about it a little bit earlier before was Evan Longoria walking out. They've let big players walk away but they've been able to make an impact of, of the next guy plugging into that hole right there. The I'm glad you mentioned the Tampa Bay Rays because they, they are in, in many ways are probably the team out of any team in baseball moment playing beyond where anyone – I mean, they're, they're game out of a wild card spot. But – and then – and I know – what's quite funny is I know both of your opinions on Tampa Bay's ballpark. They're, they're drawing an average attendance of 15,000 people at that ballpark. Of course, back date, a few months back, they, they sort of talked about the fact that the Montreal Expos, will or they'll play half their season in Montreal, half their season in Tampa Bay. How can you have a team that is probably in so many ways the most exciting team to watch in baseball just purely because no one thinks they may well take that wild card spot? They're drawing the second worst attendance. The worst attendance is the Miami Marlins, another Florida team. And I know, Dan, your thoughts on Florida sports in general. But 15,000 yeah. pe- 15, people a game in Tampa Bay. I know you love the ballpark, Guy. I know that you're not as on board on the love train of the Tampa Bay of Tropicana Field, <laughs> Dan. But, I mean, what's the problem in Tampa Bay? I know there's I know there's a, a ton of minor league ballparks and, and a lot of the – you know, the class A and spring training facilities down there. But why can people, what is wrong with a Florida sports? Why do people never go to any of the games? <laughs> what is wrong with Tampa Bay? Why can't they draw more than flies? What, what's happening in Tampa? You know, that that's a hard question. I mean, we talk about it, obviously, you know, most of the people that live in Florida are not true Floridians. They're, they're all transplants from the Northeast or the mid Midwest. And, 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 you know, obviously they have a lifetime of, of fan affiliations for their own team. So they'll gladly show up when the Red Sox are in town, the Yankees are in town or, or, you know, even those tigers, cause all those are within a half hour of, of Tampa, St. Pete, you know, the, the biggest thing though, is, is from being down there, obviously the stadium was built as a multi-purpose stadium. So it, it's not the most conducive to baseball, but it, it is a very unique stadium. And that's one of the, I like unique stadiums. Now, the bad thing about that one is the roof is uh, closer in center field than it is at home plate. Um, the rings come into play. We know how people feel about everything. So again, I, I like some of those things. I, I've worked there. I've, I've stood on the, the third ring right above second base with, with no rails uh, and, and on a slight, slight lean so that you could just, you know, fall right off down into the field. But, uh, um, y- you know, it, it's a unique stadium, but it, it's, it's not great. And I know, um, from my contacts, they actually closed the upper deck this year. Um, I, I think they may have reevaluated that for, for certain series, but they actually moved people that had upper deck season tickets down into the lower bowl and were only opening up the lower bowl. 
Um, you know, one of the big things is, is they've burnt off a lot of the people that are fans because they're talking about wanting to move into Tampa and Ybor city. And, and everybody that's from St. Pete, we, it, it's very interesting. You talk about Perth, not wanting to go South of the river. If you live North of the river, you don't go South of the river. Right. Um, and if you're South of the river, you don't really transit North of the river in, in St. Pete. It's, it's even crazier than that. Well, there's really only two bridges. One bridge goes across to the Tampa area. The other, the sunshine bridge goes down South to Bradenton. So there's really only two bridges to get into the city, um, from around the Bay. And so a lot of times, you know, depending on when these games are at, people are still stuck in traffic from leaving the work day. They haven't even gotten the chance to go home to get back to a ballpark, to stay there for an evening. And, and that was one of those things, especially like weeknight games, you couldn't draw people because you know, you want to draw fam- fans uh, uh, families. Well, they don't want to take it because they got to go home early to put kids to bed or everything like that one. Um, and so that's why, you know, well attended ones would be the Yankees or the Red Sox or, or any of your weekend games. And I, I, you know, obviously it's not a problem to, to get people out to weekend games at all ever, really. It's how do you draw them for the, those weeknight ones? Um, and, and the problem is, is as they've talked about building the stadium or moving it, you know, they've really lost that affinity to the local, the local traffic. And, and now you talk about potentially moving half the games to Montreal. Now tell me why anyone in Tampa wants to go to the game. Cause they just see all oh, you're just going to be moving. So what's the point? That's it, Dan. Let me pose you this question with the Tampa Bay Rays. Of course, if you were Jeff Bezos and or had his money from Amazon, and you know you're you're a thrifty billion dollar Texan that uh, some people think you are, sitting there on a on a gold <laughs> plate of throne of money, <laughs> like what, in my what, boxers, <laughs> in your boxes, what would you do with Tampa? And, and you you bought the Tampa Bay Rays. Would would your first port of call be a blow up the stadium and build something else, or b get out of Florida as quick as you, you could put the team in Montreal or wherever it may well I mean Montreal it's thriving for baseball but do you think it could ever work in Tampa Bay and considering the team is on, know, is on the verge of something great well if, if, if Tampa Bay was a, if that was a, a division one football program maybe but I mean Florida it, Florida is he's right I used to live in Jacksonville and even Jacksonville is more local than, than most places. But, but I ran to people at the pub every every weekend. That was there was no one from Jacksonville. I mean, I was from Dallas. Uh, you know, all, everybody I met there, but Chris Brown, who's our, who's in Kansas City with me now, was in KC. You know, our GM was in Nashville. No one was from there. And and if Florida has that reputation, the more the the, the the Rays have really good people in the front office. I mean, they got guys. I mean. Uh, What's the guy's name? Matthew Silverman kind of set up that operation it when was, he was, it was uh, Matt you know, with him, and he's a Texas guy. It was Matt Silverman, Stu Sternberg, and uh, it was Matt Silverman, Stu yeah. Sternberg, and Andrew Friedman. Yeah, yeah, and so the guys like that are these are Ivy League type guys, Harvard guys. They they all started uh, at Goldman Sachs. School in Dallas, of all things. Yeah, yes, Goldman. They, these are smart business people. So I think if I, if I had those folks in my in my pocket, they were advising me. Surely, I would probably go where the, where the money is. I would think, if I was putting a team someplace, again, this is me, I'm going to put a team someplace, I'm not going to wait around the politicians to figure out what they're going to do in Tampa. I'm going to Montreal, I'm going to Las Vegas, I'm going to San Antonio, I'm going somewhere. Somewhere's going to build me a ballpark, but I'm not going to be out, you know, a boatload of money, and they do my thing. I mean, you see what's happening in Vegas right now. Vegas, yep. Yep. you've been there lately, folks. Vegas has got a brand new football stadium, a brand new arena. I mean, it looks totally different. It's a major league market now where it wasn't, 
you know, 20 years ago, there was no chance that it happened. But, you know, Major League Baseball is really shy about going there. But I don't think I have no choice eventually to put a team there. And Montreal's a great market as well. But, you know, I've, I've read a little bit of the whole politics because of the whole Rays connection with the Heat. Just kind of keep an eye on that. And because of the – I really respect those front office guys. I got a chance to meet yeah. them uh, two years ago down at spring training. That, that front office does things differently. Outside the box, I love what they do. But that ballpark, I know he loves the park, but I, I got to tell you, I feel like I'm going to a large Walmart. It has that buzzing sound of a of a big big department store. I feel like I'm, I should be checking out the express lane. Hey, I mean, hey. I just don't like. I love going there. It, it's but no, I just it's weird. I, I lo- it's no Wrigley Field. It's no Wrigley Field. All right. <laughs> no, but no. It, it, I tell no, you, it is no, nice because you have the roof. I mean, I can't tell you how many times, like clockwork, it rains at five o'clock or it rains at seven o'clock, and hey, having the roof on the you're stadium, right. you're it, right on. You know, you're it, right on. It, unfortunately, yeah. it has to be a, a a at least a retractable roof if you're going to do something new. You're um, spot on. You're spot on. There. That that place is built right before the retractable roof craze. You know, I grew up part part of my time in Houston. There was nowhere in the world you could spend. A summer in Houston without getting doused with a hurricane now and then, and you got to have a dome. Yeah. You got to have a dome. The Astrodome was nothing, nothing of beauty, it was a wonder of the world at the time. I used to spend many a game inside the Astrodome, was pouring down rain outside, where, where other places you couldn't play. I, it just, it's a weird market. He, he spent time there. He's got a lot more dialed in. But as a, I've been there a couple of times. I love going down there. I love going to Tampa. I love the area. But there's just other things to do down there to go watch the ball game inside when you can go to the beach and kick it and have you a Mai Tai and put your toes in the sand, I guess. I mean, and, and plus, by the way, you mentioned there's a lot of minor league baseball down there. The Florida State League doesn't draw very well. That's not a big league as far as attendance. You know, that's just, it's not a, people don't go watch minor league baseball games in Florida. The Florida State League of the A-Leagues is the, is the least attended league in the full season A-Leagues. Really? It's, it's got good, it's the highest level of baseball in the A-League that has the worst attendance. So it's not just a problem there in the big league level, it's, it's also at the, the minor league level. No, I mean, and that is the case too, but I mean, you, you talk about that one and, and that one's a unique one too, that, you know, being that the Rays were kind of centralized there in St. Pete, you have, you had at the time you had the Reds in Sarasota, you had the Orioles in Bradenton. Um, the Orioles have, have yep. obviously moved into Sarasota when the Reds moved out to Arizona. Um, you have the Pirates there in, in, in Bradenton. You have the, the Tigers in Lakeland. You have uh, the Phillies in Clearwater, the Blue Jays in Dunedin. All of those are within a half hour ballpark from Tropicana Field where, where St. Yep. Pete is. And, and when you talk about all those yep. teams, you know, you have all the Canadian, you know, I can't tell you all the time that, that the Canadians left their winter to come, come oh, yeah. sit, sit there in all of the, the Florida sun oh, of, sure. of, of wintertime because, heck, you know, that well, was still pool weather for those guys. Um, and that's what makes spring training so great. Exactly. And, 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 that and that's why spring training so great. And that was one of those things that, again, you have all those people that are from those other areas. They still have their affiliation to their team, and, and they want to show up for their yep. team. So that's yep. what, you know, when Toronto's in town, the Canadians will, will, will go. I mean, uh, I suppose that's the same thing, and, and that's part of the allure of wanting to partner with Montreal is is you have some of those connections uh, immediately back there and forth. But I just think um, – any, any chance with the locals, you know, and that was one of the, the tougher things is the Rays the first 10 years, um, you know, they were the wooden spooners. So you didn't really, you know, no one really wanted to affiliate with them as, as a fan. So realistically, their their first fan base here, uh, ha, you know, their success started in 2008 when they made the World Series. And, and so really it's the last 10 years. So their fans now 
are the 10 to, to 30 year olds that, that were kind of yep. at the age yep. that wanted to success. I mean, you haven't even had a, a full generation of fans go through for them well, yet. No, I, I'll throw this out to you, Gee, too. And of course, I'm a little older than you guys, not by much, but a little bit. I was down in Florida back when the, the Marlins were brand new and baseball was coming into Florida. Hockey was coming into Florida. But back in those days, I loved to drive down on the weekend to Fort Myers or down to Plant City or wherever and go watch minor league baseball. Those parks are packed. They're still packed. Those Florida State League, uh, Florida parks and the ones in Arizona, spring training parks are packed. Oh, but yeah. it changed in the big leagues. That, that, whole, that whole crowd factor didn't translate in the big leagues. I think the big leagues thought, hey, the Marlins will be great in this market. We'll get a team in Tampa. We're going to be, be huge. But for whatever reason, it's not translated to the big league market. If you go to spring training, I worked in Plant City back in the in late nineties with the Reds. Getting 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 tickets was hard. I mean, that, it was hard to get tickets to watch the Reds play the the Tigers or whoever. I mean, people come down. They they spend their spring their spring breaks down there. The, the snowbirds come down there. They the, we talked about the people from Canada. They all go down there. And it's a great minor league. Not minor league. Spring training baseball is awesome. Oh, it's packed. It's fun. It's happening. But it doesn't, tra- for some reason, Florida has never translated to the big leagues quite like, and I guess Arizona sort of has, but I guess the jury's still out maybe there, but they haven't translated in general as a state to the big league level. Now, football, hold on, animal. <laughs> you, you put a football, put some pigskin out there, folks go crazy. But, but part it's of football that one. country, but it's weird. Part of that one goes down to the fact that baseball, you can play six or seven days. You know, you have nine game homestands, so you're playing nine games sure. in a row. Whereas a football game, you're one day a week. You know, I mean, obviously, I know you have the Gators, the Hurricanes, and the Seminoles there, and I know people. You know, you have everybody will go tailgate for their college game on Saturday. They'll turn around and they'll go back to a Jags game or, or a Bucks game and and on Sunday. You know, so they can make their little weekend of it, and and you don't have to worry about anything during the week. Whereas baseball. You know, you have those those midweek games. You have those things, and and part of that one too may be the fact that they they've inundated the market. I mean, I know you know up north again. You have Philadelphia is relatively close to New York, relatively close to Boston, Baltimore, and DC, and, and those ones. But you know, for the longest time, when when baseball wasn't there, the Atlanta Braves were the closest the closest team to that market, and that's why a lot of the people still yep. are Braves fans from that one. Braves um, fans. And, and oh yeah, I remember that. They're big, they're big, big race fans in that part of in parts of Florida. And I mean, I'll, I'll just take you back. That's again, this is coming from where I used to work. When I worked in Jacksonville, I'd go on the sports radio station for the Jacksonville Suns on drive time. And before me was recruiting expert for Georgia football, and after me was the uh, beat writer for the Florida State Seminoles. And they'd squeeze in a little baseball talk between the two to be, hey, what's going on tonight? Okay, that's it. See you. Thanks for playing. Because in those places, in parts of Florida, it's a year-round conversation about what goes on the football field. That also doesn't help either. Hey, and, that and, assured that, you that, were getting... Of course I was. That just assured What's you that? were getting listened to then. Well, yeah, exactly. People were hearing... Oh, we were on the station. We were on all sports stations at the time. And there's, not a, there's other places in the country like that, too, where, where football is pretty king. And other... I just told you about Kansas City. The Royals now are back-page news because they're so bad. But also because the Chiefs are so good, that happens. That happens anywhere. Just overall, I, I used to. I just love going to spring training and having. It was hard. It was. It, I remember getting a ticket to the Red Sox and Blue Jays one one time. It's a huge deal for us because you know you couldn't get Red Sox spring training tickets. You know, and I just that allure's kind of gone now with Arizona, and I don't know how much it affects, but 
I guess to answer your question, Paul, originally, if it's me on, if that's my billions of dollars, I'm in Montreal or Las Vegas. That's just me. Well, you go. The last words of the great Dan Vaughn. I'd be, uh, well, I'm hoping, and my wife's hoping, and we're all hoping that Montreal will get a team back, but uh, we shall see. But, gentlemen, it's uh, been a lot of fun to take the old girl off dry dock and uh, take talk, Talking Baseball back into the open waters, and uh, we look forward to doing this each and every week. Uh, Danny, will let you get a shirt on. You're still sitting there in your boxes in <laughs> downtown Dallas, so probably getting hungry by now. I've got, from, from I've got my... I got my slippers on and my smoking jacket on now. So now I'm kind of, I guess I've got all that money. I got that money now from, I own the Rays now. I got all that money. So I got the Hugh Hefner of baseball. All of a sudden. I'm not I'm sure. Wearing I want a, that I'm wearing a gold-plated robe right now. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I'm wearing a gold-plated yeah. robe right now. I'm smoking a gold cigar. Yeah, That's well, what I'm doing. Well, many have thought you're an independent billionaire in Texas, Dan. So you're just uh, you're just playing to it beautifully. So if you. It, it, if, if you saw my meal money, you'd know that uh, that's not the case. But, uh, <laughs> well, Danny, well, <laughs> you, you, the bu- you know the bus ride, the bus ride from Dallas to Sioux City, uh, 13 <laughs> hours. Uh, that's not a millionaire's trip, my friend. Not a millionaire's no, trip. No, it's not, not quite. You're not in the, not in the Leah Jets yet. You're, you're still riding the Greyhounds. But, no, uh, we, we no. I, I, as rich as I am, I'm riding still in the bus. Everybody else. Well, that's it, Dan. Thanks so much for for your company and getting up early on game day. Of course, you can catch Dan uh, for the next couple of weeks before the season ends in the American Association. Head across to the. To the Kansas City T Bones uh, Facebook page and also on Mixlr Kansas City T Bones. Tune into the broadcast, interact with the broadcast as well. Gee, thanks so much for joining us on Talking Baseball as well. You'll be back as well as we build this thing nicely into into the future. Thanks everyone for joining us. Make sure you subscribe to Talking Baseball Australia. We've got plenty of things coming up in the, in the next few months. A lot of exciting things happening in our world. Uh, we'd love to have you along for the journey as we go out. We'll go out with a bit of Texas. Tech Red Raiders music as well. My name's Paul Morgan on behalf of Guy Belair and Dan Vaughan. We thank you for your company and look forward to talking to you next week. 